This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff Show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca versus Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com, where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Atlanta, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome back to a Tuesday afternoon edition of the Chase Thomas podcast. John Taylor is here. Jonathan Taylor Thomas talks Major League Baseball edition of the podcast. John loves it. John, good afternoon. How are you? You know, I can't complain. I mean, I probably could because the whole world's in flames, but I'm okay. It, yeah, I mean, thankfully I've been reading and doing some writing and watching some stuff this morning and doing some homework. I've avoided a lot of the flames this morning and this weekend. Not going to lie. I mean, outside of the Falcons, um, just going full, full <laughs> Falcons, um, avoided a lot this weekend. I had a delightful weekend outside of that. Yeah, I, I, I'm not gonna lie. I saw that. I, I thought the Falcons had won that game because I saw something along the lines of like whatever, whatever the final. So I know the Cowboys scored with like a minute left or something, or 30 seconds left, or they I don't know whatever, whatever it was. And yeah, I think I saw like rules to recover an onside kick. I, I think I saw something to the effect like whatever the score was with like 35 seconds left. I was like, oh, the Falcons are gonna win this. Like no team, like no team blows this to this capacity. Like. I should have remembered. Hence the cigarette Abby right now um, on my Twitter profile. Um, it was one of those. It was uh, it was one of those. Had to had to light one up for the boys. Um, John, we are less than a week away from the Major League Baseball playoffs, where every team makes it. Basically, edition um, comes up. I was reading through Passon and Jay Jaffe's pieces on this, lining out just what we're looking at. I mean, the AL's been basically locked up, but how the seating's going to work and what they're calling the wild card series, best of three, and just how how crazy this is going to be. There are going to be some really insane results here, and the Cardinals may have to play a doubleheader on Monday just to like get through the needed games because they're probably going to be a playoff team, much to your dismay. Um, are you excited? I'm excited. Well, I should say I'm excited because the idea of eight playoff games in one day, which we're going to get on the two of the days of the first round, I think it is Friday and Saturday, whatever ends up being, I actually don't, 
I'm going to look it up now because I actually don't know ex- the exact postseason schedule, like in terms of when everything exactly starts. Month next Monday, okay. Um, there is at least like two days where we're going to get like every team playing, which is crazy to me. Like something I've always enjoyed. Like I'm not a college basketball guy by any stretch of the imagination, but I've always liked the first two or three or whatever four days, I guess, the NCAA tournament because of that that period, usually around like two or three in the afternoon where there are like six games on at the same time. And there's always something to watch except for that weird period where they all somehow seem to be in commercial, which happens at least once or twice a day. And this is going to be the closest MLB is really going to get to that. This is going to be the closest MLB is going to get to feeling like the NCAA tournament. And I know we, I talked about either last week or the week before, I can't remember that turning the MLB postseason into the NCAA tournament is on the whole bad for the sport. Like, MLB is not supposed to be the NCAA tournament. You know, this is not supposed to be something where a 15 knocks out a two or where, you know, it all comes down to one game because baseball is not a sport where things should come down to one game. I should say one standalone game, which is why ultimately while the wildcard game is a lot of fun, it's also just kind of a slap in the face to the losing teams. It's like you spent all year playing to lose in nine innings. That sucks. Um, but there is definitely something to be said about the excitement and the energy and just the sheer like craziness of the NCAA tournament and that format and bringing it in a kind of way to baseball. So I'm excited for that. I'm excited to see how that works. I'm deeply interested to see how eight games get put on TV at the same time, give or take. I'm excited to see what the overlap looks like. But I guess the the other aspect of that is, you know, if you look at the standings, I think seven teams have locked in playoff spots. And so there are nine more to go and there's still some shuffling to be done, but like we can all feel pretty confident that like, we know who's going to be in the postseason, with the exception of like, you know, whoever like the last two seeds in the, you know, in the NLR, which ultimately is probably not going to matter. You know, that's just a, who of the cart, who of the Cardinals, Reds, Phillies, Brewers, and Giants will be the least crappy over the next week is basically the only question left to answer there. Um, whereas the AL, the AL set, the AL is just a matter of seeding. I mean, it's, there are definitely some good teams in there. And I'm definitely like, I'm excited to see the Padres in the postseason. I'm excited to see, you know, the White Sox do their thing. I'm excited. Like it's funny that Rays Rays Blue Jays is a series that you would probably not turn on if it were just on a random August, but it's going to be a postseason series, and we're all going to be like, okay, I guess we'll watch this. Like I'm interested to see what happens with the Dodgers because obviously, like you know, if, if they're not going to win this year, then it's never going to happen. But I think ultimately, it's like having all these extra teams just kind of dulls my excitement as to like, ooh, look, like, I don't really want to see the Phillies in the postseason. I want to see the Phillies bullpen in the postseason. I don't want to see the Phillies in the postseason. I don't want to see the Cardinals. I don't want to see this, not just Astros team that is just loathsome, but also just a bummer. This Astros team isn't good. They're a 500 team. They are, they are the dictionary definition of a 500 team. They're not particularly good. You know, the Blue Jays are not particularly good. The Reds are not particularly good. Like the Marlins are here because they happen to win like all of their double headers. I'm worried about They're the Marlins. Have you looked at their last good. six games? Have you looked? I mean, they lost to the Braves last night and they finish uh, two more here in Atlanta, but they also go to New York right after. They might like the Yankees. Yes, the Yankees. Yankees are Marlins. Yankees. So okay. they have a terrible, brutal ending to their season. Well, the, 
the nice thing is for them is that the Yankees are only going to be playing for seeding. True. Because they they're there's no real chance that they catch the Rays. They're four and a half back yeah. with like six or seven left to play. And barring a two thousand nine was it Mets style collapse or two thousand seven, I can't remember. I think the both those teams collapsed. Um that's the you know, they're not gonna they're not gonna close that gap. But I mean regardless, <clears> like there are you look at the teams that are going to make the playoffs, and yeah, you got the Dodgers, you've got the Yankees, you've got well, the Yankees. Now that they're healthy, I think are the best team in the American League. You know, you've got the Twins, who are always cool. You've got this exciting, these young, exciting teams in Chicago and San Diego. But then you also have these bummer teams, and not bummer, but like these just clearly flawed teams in Toronto and Philadelphia and Cincinnati and Cleveland. Cleveland, which is going to be, and I know I don't know how much we're going to talk, and probably you know more so uh, ahead of the playoffs, or I guess this is technically ahead of the playoffs, but like. Cleveland is, if you want a team that can make a little run in this new format, especially with no days off, Cleveland has like four ace-level starters. You Cleveland know, between Bieber and the Kirk. team nobody wants to play in the first round. Like, they're built for a best-of-three series. Yes, Bieber, Carrasco, Plesak. And also, Jose Ramirez that. being awesome again, not great for who yeah, the, gets the problem. The problem with Cleveland is beyond Lindor and Ramirez, like, who is driving and runs. But that might be enough. It might be enough, especially if it's a team like the White Sox, where it's a lot of young guys with a lot of swing and miss and not at the plate, and like in Robert and in Eloy Jimenez and Moncada, who's not had a good season, um, and where that pitching staff is a little suspect, and where the bullpen is okay. Like the White Sox are just a lot has worked well for them, especially the fact that they got they went like eighteen and two against like the Royals and the Tigers. They really cleaned up against the bottom half of the division. Um, but that's going to be, I mean, that's, that at least will be interesting to see is how are the, how are the 2020 White Sox, how are the White Sox going to hold up against actual, like, competent competition? Because I am just looking it up now because I do want to get the exact number because I think their season series with those two teams are done. Yeah, they went 18-2 and two against the Tigers and the Royals, which means they have gone 16-18 uh, and 18 against everyone else. Hmm. That is a little suspect. Because you're not going to get the Royals and the Tigers in the postseason. You're going to get the Twins and the Indians and the Yankees and, you know, so on and so forth. And I mean, uh, speaking of, by the way, did you see the, uh, the, the Twins-Yankees thing? The the meme that came out? Yeah, the Joe Biden-Minnesota? Oh, that, my God. I, I very much enjoy that. I forgot about that, and I saw it the other night, and it cracked me up so bad. I love it one, so much. One thing, one thing I kind of wish, though, and obviously the we'll see how the seating shakes out, but, like, right now, if, you, if the playoffs were to start today, you have raised Blue Jays, White Sox, Indians, and Astros, A's. Those are all intradivisional series, which we have seen a million times this year. I know that there's obviously not any way MLB can arrange that like organically, but it really would be nice to see teams play teams that they have not already faced 10 times. Mm. I don't need to see another Rays Blue Jays game, man. Well, what helps We've is that the times. national fan base hasn't seen them, right? Like this being a regional sport now. Is it's not like sure. the NBA or anything else where anyone outside of those fans have actually seen this a bunch of times. Sure, and like there's there's a possibility too. You get some like some like if right now it's Cubs Cardinals two seven. That would be some decent chippiness. Those two teams do not like each other. That's cool. But like, and I you know I say like on the other hand you get Marlins Padres and it's like yeah that's not a divisional matchup but that's also not a matchup anyone cares about. Like that's weird. Marlins Padres in the postseason is something that they would put on like true TV, even though the Padres are really good. Mm -hmm. Like, but I think just ultimately it's like, 
my my excitement for the playoffs is enhanced by what the structure is going to look like because it's going to be just wild for for three or four weeks. And then dulled by the fact that there are going to be a lot of teams in this that just don't have any business being in this. The playoffs are supposed to be the best teams, man. I'm like, kind of, that's like one of the things where I'm kind of, <sighs> this sounds bad. I, I'm not rooting for this, but because Manfred is so into the idea of making this a permanent thing that I kind of want this to be bad baseball in round one. So we can, we can get around and be like, oh yeah, this is why you don't do this. This is why we, we don't uh, need to put and 16 thing, teams like, in. Like, isn't this what we learned in the first round of the NBA playoffs too? Yeah. That those, those six, seven and eight seeds really just should not be in the postseason. Maybe the sixth seed. And like, yeah, you get the occasional like Warriors over Mavericks type scenario where it's like, it's exciting and it's cool. It's like, oh my God, this crazy thing. But nine times out of 10, it's a one seed waxing an eight seed. Over, no, it's just for and playoff it's, revenue. It's gate revenue. That's, that's all it is. It's yeah, and that's all it is. And, that, and we're not even getting, that's a, there's not even a point to that this year. Right. None of these teams are going to make any extra money from this except for TV money. Like, and I, and I guarantee you that like next year when this conversation happens, I don't think we're going to have uh, a 16-team postseason again. But I definitely think that this is the kind of thing, like, it's hard to walk this stuff back once you've already done it. And I think to some degree we're going to get some form of expanded playoffs, whether that's instead of a wild card game, we get a wild card series, whether that's we add one extra team in each league or something. I, I don't know. What I would do, I, I, what I would do, and I, I, I wonder if you're with me on this, is that if you're just so gung-ho, where I don't think there's a big difference between the Brewers and the Reds and the Cardinals right now, and a lot of those teams in that middle ground where they're not terrible like the Pirates, I would love well, the Pirates, a, no, the Pirates are yeah, and I would love a one like just expand the one game wild card. The ratings, if you expand that and you turn into like three different one game wild cards, where it's just like you have to get through two two games, like you win the first round and then you have to play another one gamer. Uh, I, I like see what you're saying. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a play, it's like a plan for the plan. Yes, yeah, like what the NCAA tournament does. Right, that I'm okay with because those one game playoffs and we love the wild card. Like, no, that is what I want. If you're going to expand it, expand to the wild card where those teams that are just painfully average all year have to play each other in a one game series to play into another one game series, and then they can join the people who are actually good. That is what I would do. Don't give them a funny, series. What you're, what you're basically doing is cementing. Uh, Jay Jaffe's team entropy stuff where he just roots for tiebreakers, mm-hmm. which there are no tiebreakers this year. All the tiebreakers are being done via map and, and whatnot because they don't want to have to play any extra games. But ordinarily during a reg- during a regular season, he obviously like, like what we had with um, that Cubs Brewers plan to decide who the, who the, the division winner was because they finished the season tied. And I like those. They're fun. And look, I don't know what format the expanded playoffs is going to take. I, I could be, I could be persuaded into like just having a bunch of different play in games but I think ultimately, like, we're going to get some form of expanded playoffs, but I really hope it's not 16 teams because, as we've seen, like, there are just not 16 good teams in baseball. There are, like, 10. You know? Of the teams that are going to make the postseason, like, I think I feel comfortable calling the Rays, the Dodgers, the Padres, the A's, the Yankees. Those are the only teams I really feel comfortable saying are, like, actually really good. Everyone else is just kind of like I'm giving them a sidelong glance, you know, like there's some one really big flaw that you can identify right away where it's like, that's going to be a problem for you guys. Like, obviously, we've talked to death about the Braves and the fact that they don't have pitching or like you look at the Cubs and you're like, where is your offense right now? Or you look at the White Sox and you're like, 
are you guys really like ready for the postseason? Cause this is a team that's like young and like, you know, has, has made a lot of its bones against really bad teams. Or you look at the Marlins and you're like, how the hell did you even get into this? Like, which is to take nothing away from the Marlins and what they've done, but it's like, that's not a world series contender. They're only a world series contender because we now exist in a playoff format where that just amps up the possibility that we're going to get something really stupid and crazy. And I think ultimately where you fall on the expanded playoffs and where you fall on whether or not you like this or not depends on whether or not you want the postseason to be chaos or whether or not you want it to be the reward for the best team, whether or not you want this to be the best teams advancing so that you get a world series between the two best teams, or at least two of the better teams, or if you prefer something that's just all out nonsense and you get something closer again to what the NCAA tournament final is, which is not, I mean, like, I mean, you, you know, college basketball way better than I do, but the sense I get is that the NCAA tournament final is not always the two best teams in the country. And in fact, is nowhere near the two best teams in the country. Pretty rare. It's rare because it's really hard to win that many single elimination games in a row. Even if you Mm. are a number one seed shit happens. And I think that's what MLB has basically created with this particular postseason format is shit happens. Anyone can be anyone in a three-game series. Who's your World Series right now? Anyone, because... especially, especially if there are no off days, yeah. with no home field advantage, like with, with weird rules and different rosters and all this other stuff, like you are just really increasing the chance that, you know, I, I don't necessarily know if the, if the country at large wants to see a Dodgers-Yankees World Series. Mm. In my mind, those are the two best teams in baseball. And in my old Puritan mindset, I want my World Series to be between the two best teams in baseball. You know, even if it, even if it would bring me physical and spiritual pain to watch the Yankees win a World Series, and it really deeply would, and it's the only way that this cursed year can actually go, like, I want to see the best chase the best. Instead, MLB has set up a scenario where there's a decent chance we get, like, a Marlins-Jays World Series. I don't think so. See, I don't... Nobody wants that. I don't... Because look no at if you look at the top that. of the division standings, it doesn't seem all that out of place, right? Like obviously the Nationals having the season from hell, the Astros being mediocre this year, but they've been destroyed by injuries and losing Cole and everything else. But like the A's winning the AL West, the Cubs being atop the NL Central, the Braves being atop the NL East, the Dodgers being atop the NL West, the Padres being the second best team in the NL basically, and you the Yankees being dominant, the Rays winning the division. Like when you actually look at the top of the standings outside of the AL Central being a lot more competitive than we thought, everything's basically what we thought, right? I don't think the actual final yeah. is going to be that crazy. I think it's actually still going to be um a lot a lot of like a lot of the same stuff. I I really do. I think the the best teams will still ultimately win out. But I will say my current World Series pick. You're not gonna like this, John. You're not gonna like this. If it's if it's the fucking Cardinals, I'm hanging up. It's not the Cardinals. I don't think the Cardinals have enough juice. Okay. Um, it's not the Braves either. It uh, unfortunately you have to have okay. at least more than one starting pitcher to make the World Series. I believe. Um, one would one would think. I really have the Rays versus Phillies. Okay. I don't understand how you think that Philly's bullpen is going to hold up. The Dodgers aren't making it. That is something I cannot escape. The Dodgers are not going three for three. They're not going back three straight times after losing the first. I can't shake this feeling until it happens. I'm just not betting on them. And it seems a little early for the pods and it's, I can't bet on the pods. And I'm like, I bet you this offense is going to rake in Philly. Like, I really think they're just, I, I think they might just force their way in by just overpowering every pitching staff. Nah, I, I, it's, they can't hold late leads. You can't 
Nationals like just won a title off this, my it. friend. Yeah, but they had Scherzer and Strasburg and Corbin. The Phillies have Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler and... That's mm-hmm. really good to get out of a three-game series, though. Remember, you only have to win two. Wheeler and Nola is enough to win several series. It is, except when your opponent is Clayton Kershaw, and I imagine Walker Bueller will be back off the injury. I think he is back off the injured list anyway. Um, and Bueller's not been great, but like, I, I think the Dodgers are, and we don't have to talk specific matchups, especially because the Phillies may not even make it anyway. I don't think the Dodgers are a great matchup for the Phillies because the one advantage that the Phillies, like you said, do have is they have Nola and Wheeler, and all you got to do is win two out of three but the Dodgers can counter that pretty easily because they also have really good starting pitching and they have a much better offense and they have a, a functional bullpen as a, but like, like here's the, thing. the national bullpen was bad last year. It was bad, but it did stabilize to a certain degree by October. This Phillies bullpen is a disaster. They are the worst bullpen. I think that anyone alive has ever seen. They cannot hold leads. They can't do it. Every time they have a lead, because all the pitchers in that bullpen are just not good pitchers. All mediocre bets. No one in that bullpen is as good as Sean Doolittle was last year for the Nationals, even on the whole. And I know you can obviously, like, you know, when the, when the postseason comes around, you tweak your bullpen, you put starters in there, like, things change. But with no off days, that's going to mess a lot with any bullpen, much less a really bad one. And the Phillies don't really have starters to throw back there anyway. Like, is adding Vince Velasquez or or Zach Eflin to that bullpen really changing anything materially? And I imagine they'd need Eflin to start game three because they don't have Jake Arrieta anymore. And not that Arrieta is any good anymore anyway. And I know we, we don't have to obviously get into, like, the Phillies. But I, I think generally speaking, like, with the with – the, I agree with you that the, the best teams should end up winning out anyway. I just think that this particular playoff format, both, the expanded, both expanding the playoffs and then the format that's been chosen, makes it – increases the odds that something crazy is going to happen. And I like that that's going to result in chaos during the games, but ultimately, like if we do end up with a world series, that is something like Astros reds. Is that really going to, is that really going to be what we want to see? Is that really going to be what MLB wants? Like if it's Cardinals twins, actually that might be a decent series, but like, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I, I, every year at SI, I would, or not every year, but last year I remember at SI, I did a, a ranking of like the best World Series matchups. And I think my ultimate choices were Dodgers Yankees and I think maybe a Dodgers Astros rematch. And th- yeah, that's boring. That's chalk as hell. And it's teams that we've already seen a million times that are successful and blah, blah, blah. But my counter to that is those are the best teams in baseball. Don't you want to watch the best teams in baseball slug it out for seven games? Like, it kind of, it, it to me, it's kind of similar with the NBA. It's like, wouldn't everyone like, I know like the, the Clippers are an embarrassment and like the Nuggets are fun. Wouldn't everyone have wanted to see Lakers Clippers? Yes. Wouldn't that have been, wouldn't that have been more fun than watching the Nuggets just get pounded into the. Don't count out the Nuggets, my friend. I won't, but like, or, or similar in a similar vein, like I know the, the, like, Okay, maybe the Bucks are kind of a bad example. I don't think the in my limited NBA viewing, I don't think the East really had like a Lakers style like elite team. I guess no, maybe that's not. the Heat. As I mean, the out. Bucks were the regular season version of this in back to back years, but they they've been exposed in the last two playoffs and a lot of uh, limitations defensively and not adjusting and things like that. But uh, yeah, you know, you know what you know what, you know what this feels like to me, and I don't know hockey nearly well enough, but like this kind of ends up feeling more like the NHL playoffs. 
Mm. Where it's like, on the one hand, like the, I know the Lightning are really good and have been really good all season, both before the season um, hit, went into hiatus and then when it came back. But I know, like I said, I don't know nearly enough about hockey. But the sense I get is that the Dallas Stars were not the Western Conference's best team, which is not to say that they got lucky to reach the Stanley Cup Finals, but that this is an example of sometimes shit just happens. Like you just you the, you get you know the puck bounces your way, you get some lucky shit happening, and boom, there you are. Suddenly you're playing for the Stanley Cup. And I think baseball is kind of inviting something similar, where a World Series might have on the one hand like the Yankees, who might just go rough shot over the rest of the American League. And on the other hand, it might be the Cardinals because they just happen to get all the breaks in the National League. You know, like look, for example, that their first round match is a team that doesn't have starting pitching. If it ends up being this, if this is what the seeding shakes out to be. Like, that's, that's a pretty lucky break. And I don't know. I mean, maybe I don't mean maybe that's not being fair to the Dallas Stars or to hockey in general. But that's kind of the sense I get is when you expand the playoffs this, in this way and you let in all these mediocre teams is that you're just increasing the odds that one of those mediocre teams is going to be playing for a championship. And great to the fans of that team, like great for, for Blue Jays fans that they somehow end up rooting for a World Series team. You know, they're, they all seem like nice people up north. But I don't think that's what people in baseball want to see. I don't want to see that. Like, I want to see a Blue Jays team in the World Series that's good, not a Blue Jays team that finished 500 and happened to squeak its way through. Granted, like, you're going to have to work to get through these rounds of the playoffs. And it's not to say they're just going to, you know, apparate there by, by accident, but like, I want to see the best teams make the playoffs. I don't want to see 500 teams in the playoffs, you know, 500 teams don't deserve to win championships. They're 500 teams. And I know it's different in 60 games versus 162, but if this is what we keep going into next season and we do get 162 game season and you do have 81, 80 win teams in the postseason, well, that really just kind of, Defeats the whole purpose. If, I have if they played 162 games. games this season, this is something I was thinking about this morning. Um, if they played 162 games, which of the the top teams would have fallen out? Who do you think? And then also among the teams that have struggled, who do you think actually would have broken out at some point? I was thinking about this. What I mean, would it be really the biggest de- difference? It, I think the White Sox really would have depends. faded. I think so too because they're just they're just not that good against actually good teams. Like granted, mm-hmm. they would have gotten thirty eight games against the Royals and Tigers as opposed to twenty, so they would have just kept whooping up on them. And they also would have gotten to face you know like um, the bad teams in other divisions. But they also would have had to play the Yankees six times and the A's six times and um, and whatever their interleague schedule would have looked like. They would have had to play some good teams in the National League six times or at least three. Um, I don't know. It's hard to say because we don't, obviously we don't know what the, you know, the injuries would have looked the same. Obviously the schedule made a huge difference. Like, you know, if, if the, everything had played out for the Braves exactly the same way it had played out, you know, this season, but over 162 games with the same injuries, you know, maybe they don't hold on to the division because you can't survive a 162 game season with that little starting pitching, you know, maybe that changes, or maybe the Yankees have more time to make up this gap because they just happen to have a three week slump where everybody was hurt but when everyone is healthy that's clearly the best team in the american league you know and maybe they would have shown that over a course of 162 games but over a course of 60 going 5 and 15 over one stretch is more than enough to keep you from winning the division which is and i know i've mentioned this before the other aspect of the playoffs that i hate right now and that i think major league baseball probably knows it needs to fix there's no incentive for winning a division there's no incentive for finishing with the number one seed there's no incentive at all you need to incentivize this. You need to create some kind of reward for winning a division or winning the number one seed 
beyond home field advantage. Like, or maybe home field advantage is enough, and we're just not going to see it this year for obvious reasons. But to me, it feels like, okay, then you needed to have come up with something else. Reseeding. Pick your opponent. Something. Otherwise, winning the division means literally nothing, except you just get to say you win the division. But regardless, like, back to your question, like, I can't say for sure, but I think I, I think that we definitely would have seen the Yankees been, been, like, end up as the number one team in the American League if, if you know, you had a, a fuller season for everyone to get healthy and kind of, you know, have those stretches where everyone is healthy. Um, and I think teams like Atlanta would have really struggled to keep up the pace because, you know, over 60 games you can survive. Over 162 games you can't just have a rotation that's Ian Anderson and then a whole lot of question marks. Um, and I think ultimately, like, if there's one team that would not have been changed at all, it's the Dodgers. It turns out they're good no matter how many games you, you give them. They're just awesome. Like, I but, wonder with the Braves, like, what they would – the rotation. I wonder – I don't know. I uh, – I go back and forth on this because Freeman's just so damn good and Acuna never the offense I think would have kept them in it, but I think it would have been a 500 team and maybe not a playoff team. I, I really don't. Well, I uh, will say playoff form, playoff format wise, I think if there's one thing that actually like that I do kind of like, and maybe it's just because of this season, and it would have to be like obviously like um, figured out to a certain degree. I like that, for example, the Padres were not going to win the NL West because the Dodgers are, I mean, granted, it's only a four-game gap right now. Maybe the, maybe over the course of a full season, the Padres could have made that up. But a Padres team that is, as you pointed out, this has the second-best record in the National League under, under the old playoff format would have had to play a one-game play-in to face the Dodgers again. That's really unfair to the San Diego Padres. That they're being punished not because they're bad, but because they happen to be in a, in a division with a much better team. Now they just get to be in the playoffs. They get a guaranteed three games. You know, they're not getting punished for their bad record or not for their bad record for their bad luck rather. And I like that. And I don't know necessarily how you make that maybe not permanent, but maybe something worth considering is that like, you know, second place in a division shouldn't necessarily be punished with a wild card game just because they happen to be in a division with a better t- same with the Rays. I think if you played a whole 162-game season, the Rays probably would have finished second to the Yankees in that division, which is no fault of their own for being in a division with the Yankees. That's, that's nothing they have any control over. And the reward for them having what would have been, um, I mean, they, they currently do have the best record in the American League, but let's say you know they had a, a top three record in the American League, their reward for that is going um, to be the wild card game. I mean, I think what I'm ultimately getting at, I don't know why it took me so for my brain so long to get to this point, is we just need to get rid of divisions. Like, if you're going to have an expanded playoff happen. format where more, maybe, maybe not, but, like, I think that's the only fair thing at this point if you're going to let this, if you're going to expand, that's like, you can't punish teams for being in tough divisions. You know? Either you make the wild card game a series instead, you make it a three-game series, or you, get, or you realign divisions and get rid of them. I think that's really the only way this can work if you want to expand the playoffs, because otherwise you're either either letting in mediocre teams who have a very good shot of getting rid of, of knocking out good teams, or you're, you're just not really giving those other good teams that didn't win their division really enough of an opportunity. And I know you can say, well, they had 162 games to win the division. Great. Like the Padres are, the Padres are, are going to win the, the uh, 162 seat game equivalent of 102 games and still finish second in that division. How is that their fault? You know, they couldn't have played any better. 102 win pace is about as best as about as great as you can imagine for this team. It's way better than anyone would have expected from this team. 
And that, you know, that's to say that, like, well, they should have won the division. It's like they had a much better team in front of them. What do you want them to do? Cripple the Dodgers? Like, poison them? Like, you know, you it's almost like you've got to give teams like that a longer shot in the postseason than just one game. And I can, I can imagine every Pirates fan in America nodding along with this because of how utterly screwed they got to have to go two straight wildcard games, including one year when they had, this, I think, the third best record? No, the second best record in the National League, or at least in the National League Central, and had to face Jake Arrieta and the Cubs in a one-game playoff. That's so unfair. And, like, yeah, that's how the ball bounces sometimes. That's, that's the world. It's tough and it's not fair. But, like, I do like that this expanded playoff will at least guarantee that teams like the Padres, like, not only are going to get – we're going to get at least three games with them, but they have a much better chance of advancing than they would have previously. And I think that's good because I want to see good teams rewarded. I just wish we could reward the good teams without including the mediocre ones. And that's, that's, a, that's a puzzle I don't know how to figure out, but it's definitely something I think kind of needs to be the case. Is like expand the playoffs. I just don't want, I don't want the Phillies in the playoffs, man. I don't want the Reds in the playoffs. Oh, I kind of do want the Reds because that's another since like Cleveland F team where you've got Bauer and Luis Castillo and Sonny Gray, or at least the pre-injured list version of Sonny Gray which can really make some noise. Actually, they're weirdly similar to Cleveland, too, in that they also can't hit. But, I mean, like, it's just... Are these playoffs really going to be made any better by a 500 Astros team just kind of hanging around for three games? How are we going to feel if this if this Astros team, this 500 Astros team, knocks out a fun and cool A's team in the first round? Is that really what anyone wants, except for Astros fans? No. I would much rather watch the better team go forward. But it's reality, John. That's what's happening. That's it what is reality. Doing. And there's nothing we can do about it. <laughs> um, last thing we got to wrap up here. Um, Freeman or Tatis, who's your MVP right now? Oof, that's tough. Um, boy, that's really tough. Um, I don't think there's a wrong choice here. In, in, and I, right, in that I know you're going to say the wrong they're going to do. What do you think they're going to do? Okay, because I, I have a I have a theory on what they're going to do. I get, maybe not a theory. I I have a hunch. I think my choice would be Tatis. I think he is the better, not the maybe not the better. I think he's had the best all around season because he's a great hitter. He's a great base runner. He's a good defender. I know Freeman is also a great hitter and also a very good defender, but he's a good defender at a worse position, which I think counts for something. He's obviously not the same level of base runner Tatis is because well he's not built like Fernando Tatis. And for as much as he has obviously helped keep this Braves team afloat, you know, with all the injuries they've had to deal with, I think Tatis, and, and you can argue that Tatis has a better team around him, and I think he certainly does. I think Tatis is the engine that made that whole Padres team work. I think if you take him off that Padres team, they're not nearly as good. And granted, you, you, you do the same thing with Freeman. You take him off that Braves team, they're not nearly as good. But I just there's just something I think about Tatis. And honestly, I, and I know this is like a little, you know, maybe a little kind of like old man columny, but like I, I really just like the idea of the MVP being like this superstar young player, this face of baseball, just rewarding him for that. And I know that's not fair to Freddie Freeman, who's a very good player, but he's boring and he plays for a boring team. And he's just kind of like, he's just, it, it, I don't know. It feels unfair to I'll Freddie Freeman, you. but it's like Tatis is, Tatis is the future, man. Tatis is the future. I want baseball to reward its future. Like, 
Is that unfair to Freddie Freeman, who's a very deserving NL MVP, NL MVP candidate? Yeah, it's really unfair. Very ages. But man, some, sometimes sometimes you've just got to roll with the narrative. And the narrative is that Fernando Tatis is one of the future, is one of the reasons that baseball actually has a future. See, and I think the narrative maybe, is more, like, maybe you can, I think it's going more towards Freeman right now. I My gut tells me it Freeman's be, getting just, this. And the just, idea behind I, it, well, I, feel like, I think the idea behind it will be that Tatis is going to get opportunities to win more, and this is probably it. That's what I was going to say, and that's what I was going to say. That like I think the argument that some people would make against Tatis right now is he's very young. He's got a whole very bright career, hopefully in front of him. He will have many, many more chances to compete for the MVP. My only my caveat to that would be like there's no guarantees. Fernando Tatis could die in a car accident like tomorrow, and like I mean obviously I really hope that doesn't happen, but like there's no. There's no guarantee of anything in the future. You just reward the best guy. You reward the best guy regardless of whether or not you think he's going to get chances in the future. And I understand what you're saying that for Freeman, this is maybe not the last opportunity because he's not like this isn't like he's 36 years old and this is pulling this kind of season out of his butt. Like he's how old is Freddie Freeman? Actually, I'm looking up. This is his best case. This is. I mean, okay, he'll be 30. He'll be 30. He's 31 now. He actually just turned 31 10 days ago. Well, wildly enough, this is his best season by far. This is, if nothing, it almost feels like if you give him this MVP award, it's not just for this season. It's like a career achievement award. Yeah. It's a recognition of all the awesome years he's put together where he has never been awarded with anything more than an all-star nomination and one gold glove. And I get that. I get that this is, I get that that for, I think it's like, it basically is like best new versus like career achievement. If you want to kind of create another narrative around it. And I think for me, I just, I was just more obviously taken with Tatis. And the nice thing about MVP voting is it's, it's whatever you care about. It doesn't have to be war. And honestly, by war, I think Freeman and Tatis are pretty much equal. And honestly, war in a 60-game season is really goddamn stupid. Like, not to, not to say, like, please don't vote for MVP using war, but, like, please do not make your final distinction to any voters who happen to be listening, all, like, three of them. Like, please do not make your final distinction by war on a 60-game season. That's really stupid. Like, we have to think past that at a certain point. Like, and the, I mean, there, there are cases, there are obviously cases you can make for other people too. You can make a case, obviously, for Mookie Betts. Um, you can make a case for you, Darvish. You can, I mean, not a very strong one, but it, it is there. You know, you can make a case for, geez, I don't know. I mean, Manny Machado is a boring case, but he has a case nonetheless. Like, there are other guys in this race. I think ultimately it just comes down to are you more taken with, kind of Fernando Tatis's explosive, like, star quality all-around game? Or are you more impressed with Freeman just night in, night out, consistent, durable, productive, all, like, great at everything he does, and also this idea that, like, he's earned it, that he earned this, not just with this season, but all the work he's put in previous, and that for as good as Fernando Tatis is, he'll, he'll get his shot later. And I, I understand what you're saying with that. I think if it were to come, I think... I don't think either choice is wrong. I think my personal choice is Tatis, but I think that's probably how the narrative ends up looking for MVP voters is, you know, the, the up and coming star versus the steady, reliable, like durable presence. And I, I have no idea which way anyone's going to vote, but I, I think that's what it looks like to me. John Taylor, we have to wrap up here, but uh, I'm excited. A couple more days and uh, we are in the MLB postseason. It's going to be fun. Chaos. And then the, the madness starts. There we go. John, always a pleasure. I will talk to you next week. Indeed. See you, bud.
Hi, this is Chuck Dowdle of Bulldogs Roundtable, and I want to thank you for listening to another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. Be sure to check out Chase's website at chasethomaspodcast.com and follow the Stone Mountain Native on Twitter and Facebook and listen to my show, Bulldog Roundtable, every Tuesday and Thursday from 9 to 9.30 on 680 The Fan. Have a great Bulldog Day, everybody. We are back on a post. Uh, I don't even know what to call this. I don't even. Weekend Bender? Weekend Bender is probably a good way to describe it, but for both of us, both of our teams have just uh, not let us down in different ways. Like, the Falcons are healthy. Falcons are. They haven't been ravaged by injuries like they have in uh, previous years, especially on defense. Neil and Ricardo Allen are still playing football for this team right now. Uh no, it's uh they just don't know how to recover onside kicks. They don't know how to keep leads. They don't know how to uh, keep a good thing going. Um, your team, they're just oh, all gone. Yeah, they're just everybody's gone. Who's left? They've all died. Yeah, not. I mean, you know, so right now at this moment, uh, they're starting running back. They're starting cornerback. They're starting defensive end. They're other starting defensive end. They're starting quarterback. Um, they're starting center. Um, uh, you know, I, I'm just thinking on both sides of the ball. Uh, one of their rotational receivers. Uh, yeah, you know, they just the list goes on. Are all out. And then, of course, the biggest thing is. Nick Bosa, the best defensive player in the entire NFL in his second year, tore his ACL and is out for the year because there is no God. Not good for the what happens with Jimmy going forward conversation. Are you are you feeling Nick Mullinsy yet? No, God no. Did you see Jimmy play? It's more about Jimmy's injury stuff. Are you not at all concerned? No, I mean, I'm not concerned considering the injury that you saw. I mean, he had someone roll over on him. Uh, Trent Williams in that situation and like uh, Kyle Shanahan said in the press conference there were two penalties um, two penalties that should have been called uh, and he you know he alluded to it being because uh, maybe the mask allowed them to not be able to blow the whistle in time or things like that in terms of late hits um, Kyle Shanahan going after mask policy is probably not the best thing for him right now well you know I don't think Kyle Shanahan gives much of a fuck he's got <laughs> giant extension and uh, is paid um but yeah you know jimmy garoppolo uh was uh, the highest rated pff uh quarterback um last week i think or one of uh definitely the i think the one of the higher ones um you know i think had like maybe one incompletion throughout most of the half his stat line ended up very good but you know stats aside he even looked uh he looked great on one ankle. I mean, quite literally hobbling into the line. He looked great on one ankle. Um, it was, it's really unfortunate that he did get injured because yesterday would have absolutely been a good day to shut everyone the hell up, uh, with the Jimmy slander. Uh, of course, you know, it ended up in, uh, you know, Jimmy got injured. He's going to be out probably a couple games. You know, originally it was a high ankle sprain. So they were thinking maybe four to six weeks. And it looks like, you know, he might be able to play next week, but, uh, you know, we're all hoping, considering it's that same evil uh, turf field at MetLife, um, where nothing good obviously comes from New Jersey. Mm. Uh, 
you were, we're hoping that when they return to play the Giants after having just played the Jets that they uh, they bench him and they let Nick Mullins go out there and ruin his ankle. Can we talk about like the way people talk about the New York Jets? It's some of the dumbest shit. I it, it drives me nuts when we get surprised and like I think the Jets might actually be the worst team in football this year. I I don't know. I it it's still early and there have been some really really bad bad looking teams so far. Um. The top two targets what? in this game for Sam Darnold was Chris Hogan and Braxton Berrios. Yeah. What do you want Sam Darnold to do? What do you want? Like, I understand Adam Gase mm. not making adjustments. I understand mm. Frank Gore got 21 carries in this game. Frank I Gore is I don't think a there's beast. ever been a more anemic-looking offense than the one that Joe Douglas gave Adam Gase to start this season. So here's what I'll say. Because I agree with you on a, a few things. One, I think Adam Gase is the worst head coach in the NFL. Ooh, I think hard disagree. I don't. Think I don't. So. Ca- He's I proven don't, more. He won I don't a little care. bit in Miami. Won I don't 10 care. Games. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. Adam Gase has on the record now ruined and not used properly players who were bad under him and then pretty great. As soon as he left, he is currently in the process of ruining one of the most exciting dynamic running backs in the history of football. Sam Darnold, who you seem to like, is still a USC quarterback. I just don't so know. Really, I didn't say I like him. I'm not sure. I don't know how people are rating him with Hogan, Barrios, and he's Gore. He's a USC quarterback. Yeah. So here's what Carson I will say. Carson Palmer, Hall of Famer if, maybe. If you watch some of the All-22 Yes, his options are garbage, but he still threw bad throws. He mm. still made bad decisions. So, you know, is that a matter of bad coaching? Maybe. I do think we watched single-handedly, we've all seen it, we watched Ryan Tannehill look absolutely terrible. Mm-hmm. And then come out and be one of the, you know, one of the top 10, top 15 quarterbacks in the NFL. Take the Titans to the playoffs, get a huge contract extension, and Tannehill has looked good this year again. So I think, without a doubt, Adam Gase is the worst head coach in the NFL. And thank God for him, because the 49ers needed a win badly. I I think it's Vic Fangio, but I I would take Vic Fangio over him a million times over. I mean, I wouldn't like fight you on it. <laughs> like, I think Adam Gase is right now bottom three. Oh, Joe Judge and Matt Patricia are on that short list too. Matt but, Patricia is the only person that I would say um, probably competes for me for the worst head coach. But the only thing I will say is I still have not a lot by any means. It's like you could fill it in a thimble. Uh, but I have some hope left for Matt Patricia. Um, I don't think I don't. I'm, still I'm not. Trying to he let me out. down this week. He let me down. Yeah, by the way, I was still trying to figure out what that was. Did you, you were, watch like, the whole sipping. thing? I don't know why were, it came out that way where like you, you missed the first half. But if you watch my story, then you would have seen the whole thing. I saw I saw the story later on. Uh, but I will <laughs> say when you what you sent to me was you like casually like like bird feeding, sipping your white claw. And I was like so confused and almost offended because the white claw that I shotgun was like textbook it wait was what did per- you what did you think about the uh the promo that uh i gave you the promo was great promo was good really disrespectful very good 
yeah, highly disrespectful. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I, I was very impressed, dude. But honestly, though, like, how do you have Aaron Rodgers play that well week one and you go, yeah, I'm taking the Lions? The Lions always play the Packers well. They always do. And I, it was a classic letdown look ahead type thing for them back at home. And I was like, I, I don't know. This is all the makings of a dumb. This is like the Lions season on the line. They go 0 2. The it's going to be a disaster. The Lions do. I trust me. The Lions do play the Packers well. But when Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. has his team. It wasn't even draft, Aaron Rodgers. It was Aaron Jones. I'm just saying, when this Aaron Rodgers has his team draft no wide receivers and a quarterback in the first round. That has to hold some type of precedent for changing the rules in terms of how the Lions play. Yes, Aaron Jones ran all over the Lions, but I'm talking about what you saw week one, which was Aaron Rodgers going and going to work. So I mean, that was on you, man. That That's was true. that was that was on you. I, I mean, that's fair. That I'll I'll allow that. Um, the Falcons, though, like Dan Quinn has not been fired yet. And I go back and forth on this because they're like, well, if he would, what are we doing? Same old stuff. I get all of that. I just, there's something really demoralizing when you fire a coach early in the season um, because you wait all year for a new season. You wait, wait all year for this kind of thing. If you fire your coach midseason, it's over. Like no interim coach is guiding you to the, the Super Bowl, whatever. I'm not saying Dan Quinn's going to do that. I am just saying... I'm always hesitant to fire coaches early on. Like I would rather like last year was the time to do it. When the Falcons started one and six last year, it was over. Like once they were not making the playoffs, that's when I do it. When you're mathematically eliminated, that's when you fire the coach. The Falcons are not mathematically eliminated yet. The Falcons are still great. Their offense is almost unstoppable. Calvin Ridley on deep outs. When he goes, when he gets ahead of steam, 10, 15 yards downfield, and then makes that quick cut out, guess how many times he's been stopped? Zero times. That's right, folks. Calvin Ridley, like four TDs through two weeks, he has been stopped on deep outs exactly zero times. Julio Jones is hobbled, still going out there. Can barely move his hamstring, going balls to the wall. The offensive line playing a little bit better. Matt Ryan, still an elite top 10 quarterback. Russell Gage, guy. Hayden Hurst, guy. This team, I can't quit. Like, this offense, we saw it. The Cowboys are not a bad team either. The Cowboys... Can I just say this? Can I I'm say really one fired up because, like, this... Moment. The way we talk about the Falcons is very silly, where I'm like, they're easily, easily a team that can be one of the best teams in the NFL and also easily be one of the dumbest and worst. But right now, they have all the talent and all the top-end talent to still be top-five offense, and I, I just can't quit yet. I really can't. So here's what I want to say. First and foremost... You were very passionate about how Adam Gase gave Frank Gore 21 carries, correct? How many yards? I don't want to talk about this. How many yards? 63. Todd Gurley, also 21 carries, 61 yards. Yeah. Okay. Now that I can at least say I was right, can we we talked about this in this podcast? I I talked about this before the season. The Gurley stuff was just nostalgia. It clouded Atlanta fans' judgment because they just remember him from Georgia. It's like, this is not who you're getting. Todd Gurley, less than three yards to carry on Sunday. But it doesn't matter. Like, that doesn't really concern me because the Falcons still have four weapons on the outside that are going to gobble up 40 40 targets a game. So I don't really care. Like, as long as Hayden Hurst, Calvin Ridley, Julio, and Russell Gage are healthy. Hayden Hurst is a player. He's a lot better than Austin Hooper. 
done like he is so much more talent than Hooper. Hooper's solid, but Hurst is Hurst has got a little bit more flavor. He's more dangerous out in the open field. I like him downfield a lot more than Hooper. Hooper is more of a safety net. Hurst is like throw it to me thirty yards downfield. Let me go get it. Um, and he runs more like a receiver. Like Hurst is just I like him a lot. Um, who I don't like a lot is Zacchaeus and our entire kickoff team. That's who I don't like. That's fair. But did you read Charles McDonald's article uh, in the New York Daily Mail? I did not. Uh, he's four verts on Twitter, a well-known Falcons fan uh, who's now a beat writer in the New York uh, for the Jets. Um, yeah, you know, I just don't know. This is my thing when it comes to Dan Quinn. Are they playing well? Yes. Do the weapons look good? Yes. Dan Quinn's a defensive head coach. The Cowboys put up 40 points. This never – yeah, this is the Dan Quinn experience. The defense was so, never going to get fixed. It's never been so, good. So my my thing is, yes, you, you, you fire the coach when they're mathematically you know eliminated in the playoffs. Fair. But Dan Quinn is never going to be a good head coach for the Falcons. Can he maybe do that elsewhere? I won't say that because I don't know. I don't know that I personally would want him as my head coach. I'm pretty sure I wouldn't, but I'm not going to just speak for other teams. My point is you knew before this season that Dan Quinn probably should have got fired. After the Cowboys game, that's it. Just I promise you, Matt Ryan and Calvin Ridley and Hayden Hurst and Julio Jones and the ghost of Todd Gurley are going to be able to score those points without Dan Quinn. That's going to happen. I wouldn't fire, hate fire experimenting him. with Raheem Morris as head coach for the rest of the year. I wouldn't hate it. Just don't give it to Dirk Cutter because I that, remember that Raheem Morris year in Tampa where I was like, oh, this dude, young, maybe next superstar young head coach. And then it fell off the rails pretty quick. But uh, he's been there for a long time. He's coached literally everything, it seems like, on the staff. I wouldn't hate seeing what Raheem Morris did down the stretch. I wouldn't hate it. I just can't handle Dirk Cutter as head coach and just going down that road. No, I, I, I don't. I don't want it. But you're right. What are we doing? What What is the point? Where, yeah, where do you even go from there? So it's really sad, too, because, like, Falcons fans are never going to get over that Super Bowl. But, like, this just adds to that already very on-fire fire. You know, that is a very healthy fire burning with every single person that likes to make jokes at team's expense. And they did it again. There was a Cowboys fan at this bar that I watched at in Charlotte, and he left. Like, he was so demoralized when we were up 20 nothing, and, like, we're up big, even going into the third and fourth. And he was just like, I can't do this anymore. So he just, like, disappeared and was doing other stuff, watching other games. He just disappeared. The game's over, and I'm just, like, catatonic just absolute it was just it was horrible chugging some Miller Lite right he comes over and is like it's game over and we're like yeah and I told him I was like why are you not celebrating and he was like what are you talking about and I was like you don't know do you he's like what are you talking about I'm like you fucking won you came back and he's like no yo you're you're fucking with me 
I had to explain and recreate what happened to the Falcons-Cowboys ending to this Cowboys fan who was so sure the Falcons would not go full Falcons that uh, he just stopped watching. And he was so yeah. happy. He was... He, it was horrible. That's, That's what uh... the Falcons did to me yesterday, or Sunday, is that I had to walk through the Cowboys winning to a Cowboys fan Sunday afternoon because they were so sure that they were going to lose to us that they just gave up. Never give up against the Atlanta Falcons, folks. That's the lesson here. Yeah, it's a... You're a noble person because I would have told him that Cowboys fan to kindly go fuck himself. (laughs) I am a 49ers fan, so... There's a lot of bad blood there. Yeah, it was a weird week for the NFL. It was a very weird, horrible, terrible week. Um, You know, I think we should probably go over some of the injuries we talked a little bit uh yeah there's a lot how much time do we have we don't have the next three hours to go over all the well we can we can definitely we can definitely light lightning lightning around it can you lightning uh, around your team first well i mean i already did right (laughs) solomon thomas is out with an acl for the rest of the year Uh, nick Nick bosa is out with the ac year um sheesh trying to pull this up and i just get immediately drew Locke is out for a month do we know what's going on with michael thomas um michael so michael thomas is just struggling uh with that injury but so yeah lee cooker uh, just malik never gonna H- be healthy that guy is malik so good Hooker, he's never be healthy it's it's Sa- just not gonna happen saquon barkley saquon. Uh, tyrod taylor by the way shout out to justin herbert qb1 <laughs> Uh, Justin Ter- Herbert came in and started the game after Tyrod Taylor had had uh, an injury in his chest, suffered before the game. Justin Herbert, with no intention of playing, probably for at least the first few got five games if you're following the uh, the Tyrod experiment timeline that he normally has. Um, Justin Herbert almost came in and beat the Super Bowl winning Patrick Mahomes-led uh, superstar team. Yeah, I'm going to need a better explanation from Anthony Lynn as to why Tyrod Taylor is starting this week. It's the Tyrod experiment. I just I don't understand it. Like he's great to have as a backup. He's like the 32nd best quarterback in the NFL. Like he's someone you want on your team if your starter goes down. But like Herbert threw for over 300 yards in not even a full game. Tyrod's only done that once in 47 career starts. Crazy staff and Mike Renner there, and I'm just like I don't. I don't know. I don't really understand his logic there. Um, are you a believer more in the Rams or the Cardinals? Now they're both 2-0. I, I know you don't want to answer this question. I'm definitely a believer in the Cardinals. Yeah, I don't, Tyler's I don't, real. I don't want to be. Um, it's really frustrating that the guy that... You know, I thought they were so stupid for turning you know turning down drafting nick bosa and here i here i am kyler is that dude kyler literally looks like a miniature like he's like russell wilson and lamar jackson put together uh he now back to back both weeks looks like an absolute superstar this time at the expense of my 49ers um it sucks Nick Bosa's out for the year and he's thriving. That's awful for a 49ers fan. But I am a believer in the Cardinals. I'm not a believer in the Rams. I do think the Rams are going to be exactly what we said is, 
hey, they'll be better this year. They'll win some games. You know, I still think the 49ers have a really good chance of competing this year, especially with how big of a bloodbath the NFC West is going to be. But we'll see. I'm excited to see how this plays out because I'm not really sure either way. But I think the NFC, if we've learned anything, is the NFC is going to be just a bloodbath. Panthers are feisty. Packers are picking up where they left off. The Bears are just going to win too many games because their defense is good and Trubisky sucks. But like, I think the Eagles still have opportunity to turn around. The Cowboys are going to be good. Washington is still that defense is legit. And that defensive line is legit. Looks um, great. Seahawks, maybe the best team in the NFC. Um, I know you really. That's another thing. I hate that too. The Seahawks. <laughs> I hate that too. Ru- Russell Wilson. Like the only thing. Here's the thing. The, the the one thing that's always made Russell Wilson okay from the perspective of a 49ers fan is that we saw Joe Montana win four Super Bowl rings, right? So we know what it's like when you have a Hall of Fame quarterback and you utilize him properly. You get a lot of rings out of him if you've got good pieces around him and a great head coach. Second best head coach of all time. Some might say the best of his time and just say Belichick the best of his time. Uh, but my point is the one – fleeting thought we've always had for the for the russell wilson experiment was well the team didn't know how to fucking use him so at (laughs) least we don't have to worry about them going to the super bowl well here he is in like the late stage of his career not really like maybe the mid stage but the late stage of his career still no injuries which i'm not wishing injuries on him but you think a guy that runs around like that would get you know a little more dinged up than jimmy garoppolo no injuries now they're actually letting him use the the offensive system they're letting him pass they're letting him throw run the way that russell wilson should be i'm terrified do you hear it in my voice i am terrified if russell wilson wins two more super bowls i'm gonna have to just move to the mountains in a small hut with like sticks fire you know and i'll be like fishing during the day like there's no way i'll be able to exist in a society in which the seahawks have multiple super bowls it's not good for 49ers fans. This is just the year from hell for you guys, I think, unfortunately. It's really bad. It's really bad. Yeah, I don't like it. Um, do we give some respect to the Las Vegas Raiders? You know, I will say yes. But at the same time, do we give respect to the Las Vegas Raiders? Or do we talk about specifically how bad Drew Brees looked? He... It's really hard for me to say because he's just like been so reliant on Michael Thomas, like been so reliant on him the last two years. He's not going downfield. So when people are talking about the him not being able to go downfield anymore, and I'm like, well, he hasn't been doing that anyway. Like he's just had guys like Michael Thomas and Kamara the backfield and stuff like that to get open that he finds all the time. Like uh, Kamara had nine catches in this game on nine targets. Like he still has those guys, but Emmanuel Sanders not being a guy who gets separation anymore is a problem because they're relying on him a lot. Um, and Breeze is at that point where he cannot make those receivers around him better. Like he needs more talent around him. He's in that Peyton stage where he just, he needs the, the Marius Thomas and, um, Eric Deckers of the world to really keep him going. Oh, yeah. And he doesn't have that right now. So they can't afford Michael Thomas to miss any games. Like that is a big takeaway I have. And also I thought Derek Carr was really good in this game. I think he is really he figured really out his, his, uh, his, place in this Olsen Gruden offense and I 
I really like watch Josh Jacobs run. Like he had 3.3 yards per carry. It wasn't like it was great, but like he's really fun to watch and he's really fast. And I like, I, I don't know. I just, Darren Waller, is he like the next great tight end? Like, is he join? Is he going to be on that Kittle Kelsey level soon? Because this dude had 12 catches for 103 yards, 16 targets. Like to say Derek Carr likes, uh, uh, <laughs> likes Drew, Darren Waller, um, would be an understatement. And I saw that, um, Mike Wallace, tweet you see this about waller where he would like go for 225 yards in practice every day and they would always just be like how oh, is this guy not a star i don't understand yeah. how darren waller was under the radar for this long well i mean he was a raging alcoholic and had drug problem drug addiction issues that so could be a problem you know it's one way to really throw that under the rug uh <laughs> here's what i will say i'm not going to put him up there in that tier uh but i will put him in that second tier for sure especially with just what he's doing right now um <laughs> The, way the reality is, is sorry, that just, the reality is though, <laughs> he's just the product of someone for, I mean, he's getting force fed the ball right now. You know, you talk about the targets, obviously he's doing well with his targets, but he's getting those targets, right? How many other tight ends in the NFL right now are getting the, the amount of targets that uh, Waller got week two? It's very minimal. You know I mean? Like, Obviously, we can't talk about Nick, you know, George Kittle because he's injured. Um, mm. But you know, and speaking of tight ends, Jordan Reed, bro, seven targets. I was waiting for PRs, you to say this. Two touchdowns. Is Jordan Reed back, or is this just the best that we get until he gets injured? Oh. <laughs> <sighs> I, I don't know. This is like the, you know, it's weird. Did you see this like Titan revolution coming where like ev- just another guy where every team just seems like they're trying to find their, their tight end to pair with their quarterback. Cause it's less about the receiver. Now it seems like and more about pairing your quarterback with like one elite tight end. Who's not even really a tight end. We should just call him a big receiver. We need a new name hey, for these tight ends. Did you hear about uh, Bruce Arians opinion on, on tight ends? I did not. Wait, really? Mm. Oh, gosh. Let me get the actual co- quote. Is this recent? Yeah. Because um, OJ just, Howard has all the makings of this with Brady in Tampa. When In response about Rob Gronkowski's touches, he said, I want to get the – okay, yeah. Bucks tied in. Rob Gronkowski has a total of four targets on 33 routes run two games. Bruce Arians said opposing defenses really aren't doing anything to take him out. We're just not throwing it 50 times to, 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 to the tight ends. That's what we have receivers for. Oh, no. Oh, no. Find you someone that hates the way Bruce Arians hates tight ends. I don't understand this. It's also just like they're not tight ends anymore. Like they're just receivers. I don't even know I mean, what to, I mean, there's just different. Like there's the the uh Sal Bear uh tight end who literally goes in there just to block. And then there is the tight ends like Kittle and everybody else who literally just they're more receiver than tight end. It's just a different position altogether than what we were accustomed to. The the Frank Whitecheck tight end is a thing of the past. Right. I don't know. That's weird. Agreed. Arians has said some weird stuff to start this season, I will say. Well, you know, the one thing I'll give him is that Rob Gronkowski did retire, had a bunch of injuries, and we don't know, you know, what what he would look like, you know, if he had gone back into that Tom Brady offense with Bill Belichick 
uh, Josh McDaniels. What I will say is this, though. It is a wild thing to say we're not, you know, that's what we have wide receivers for when talking about the best one, arguably one of the best, if not the best tight end in the history of the NFL, who's not that old. I mean, he's older, but he's not that old. He's definitely not like, you know, Gonzalez old, right? He's not like Witten old. So I get it. You don't like tight ends, but maybe see what you got with him. You know, just maybe. Maybe. <sighs> I don't I don't know. And then the Chargers, man, and then we can get into um our picks this week, but Renner, also friend of the pub, uh PFS Mike Renner, I just love all those guys in Austin Gale, shout out to all of them. But um he tweeted this out too, and I wanted to get your perspective on this because Cam looks so good on Sunday night against the Seahawks, a very different Cam than what we saw in week one. Um, where it was just very run heavy, but Cam is just like the red zone assassin. But if he, the Chargers had just signed Cam Newton, he asked, like, would we not be talking about them as like the best team in football this year? And I think that's fair. I think if um, Cam was playing in this offense with those weapons, with Keenan Allen and everybody else, that like the Los Angeles Chargers, who hung with the Chiefs in this game, I, I think that's fair. I really there do. are going to be. So many NFL teams feeling very stupid about not signing Cam. Um, they already should. Right. Res- deservedly so. And, you know, I will say, I wasn't nearly as excited about Cam as you were. You know, you're ta- talking about Cam being MVP, MVP and things like how, that. How are we feeling? I don't laughed think that's at me, the sir. case. Uh, still, I don't think that's going to happen. But I am very impressed with what he's done so far. Um you know, he's not – those injuries are not there. They might have been before, uh, but they're not there now. So it's 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 exciting to see him. I'm happy to see him. It is frustrating um, to see what he's getting paid compared to other quarterbacks in the NFL. Shout out to Blake Bortles getting that next contract. So, yeah, Blake Bortles just getting signed by the Denver Broncos. Um, yeah, you know, honestly, it's exciting for Cam, and uh, I'm glad that he's playing well. And I'm glad that he's, you know, I'm hoping that Cam plays well this year and then signs for a team that I don't hate. I don't want to keep rooting for the Patriots. There's no way they let him walk. There's no way Belichick only does a one-year rental with Cam, right, after the way he's playing? First off, it's Bill Belichick. That's true. If anyone would do this, it would be Belichick, but oh. – that would be a really sad story, I think, actually. For him to go through this whole offseason, take over for Brady and not miss a beat, this offense role, like them go 11-5, and five, then maybe get to the AFC Championship game and lose, to then just be like, all right, good luck, thanks for the memories, would be uh, almost cruel. Yeah. I, I don't want that to happen. Be, be nicer, Bill. Um, all right, you ready to get into our... B three NFL picks, Evan Simons. Yeah, absolutely. I'm very excited about this because now we're this is the tiebreaker week for the White Claw Lock of the Week. White Claw, sponsor it. We we're ready for you. Um, <laughs> All right. Did not so go well for me this week, so I got to be very careful. I'm never gonna bet on the Lions ever again. They're out. The Lions are out, just like Philip Rivers is out for you. Um, Thursday. This sucks. 
Um, unless we get to a time. Um, well, let's real quick. Let's real quick. Let's go through it. Let's go. Okay. So, week two. Bengals oh yeah. Browns, go through. Oh wait, are you going Brown, through their record? Yeah. Well, I'm just going through week two. Our response. So we were both right about the Browns. Um, I was I was wrong about the Giants. You you know, the Bears won. Um, we were both right about the Rams, and yeah, we both said the Cowboys. So we shouldn't be right. But we are right. Um, Panthers, Bucks. Obviously, the Bucks won that game. Uh, so I was wrong, and you were right. Uh, 49ers, we were both right. Steelers, uh, we were both right. Titans, we were both right. Packers, obviously, we know that one. Bills and Dolphins, uh, we were both right there. Uh, Bills are looking good this year. Uh, Vikings and Colts. You know, this is the game the Colts decide to win. Fuck you, Phillip Rivers. Uh, we were both wrong there. Uh, Washington uh, versus the Cardinals. Uh, you chose the Cardinals. You were right there. And then, you know, at the end, we got all of them right, except for the Saints, which we, we both got wrong. So it sounds like uh, I won this week. It does sound like you won this week. I like it. I like but it. But you lost because you had a shotgun and white. But <laughs> I don't also kind of a like a, what, what is that? Like a big handicap for me? Like a, just a big penalty for losing the white claw? I get minus five points or something? Right. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know. I think we'll have to go week to week. Uh, week three. Week three is up. We'll start with the Dolphins and Jaguars, the Thursday night football game. Tua has to play. I want Tua versus Minshew. I'm going to take the Jaguars, but I can't tell you how little. I will not be watching this game. I do not care about either of these teams. This is a, I mean, I'm going to watch. I love Thursday night football. I really do. Um, th- this Thursday night was amazing. Burrow and Mayfield, like, it was great. It's a lot of fun. I like Thursday night football. Um, I'll watch all of it. Give me. I don't like this at all because I think if the Dolphins start at 0-3 and then they had this loss to the Jags, uh, they're going backwards from where they were a year ago with more talent. Um, give me the Jaguars. Jaguars are going to be 2-1. I'm taking the Jaguars. So so am I. I can't. I, I got to take the Jaguars. I think they, they play the Titans really well this week too. They're good. Yeah. So 49ers, Giants. Uh, obviously, I'm taking the Niners. I still think the 49ers have so much talent, even on a depleted team. Uh, they did just announce that D Ford will be out this game oh, no. and might be missing more time. Is uh, Debo his, coming back yet? Uh, D, who? Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel will be back after week three. Okay. So week, week four is when we get Debo back, Kittle back. Kittle might come back sooner, but probably Kittle back. Uh, and maybe Jimmy back and Richard Sherman back and things like that. You're going to hate me, but uh, I'm going Giants here. I like their defense, and I think this is going to be an ugly, ugly game. This is going to be – You are going to see so much from Jeff, Jeff Wilson and Jerick <laughs> McKinnon. Mm-hmm. Jerick McKinnon is looking good so far, so there's going to be a lot of running. Did and, he only have like uh, three carries? What? No. McKinnon last week? Yeah, McKinnon had uh, – his, his actual stat line was three for 77 and a touchdown. Mm-hmm. And then obviously, you know, on he, he had no, no catches. So, yeah, he had three carries, but 77 yards. Yeah, I like and it. And a touchdown. But um, obviously that was when Raheem so you was playing. Raheem got injured. 
I am taking the 49ers for sure. Okay. Uh, Washington Browns. This is an interesting game. What do you think? Uh, give me the Browns here. I think the Browns are figuring some stuff out on offense. I really do. And I think I, this offense makes a lot more sense. I think Baker was a lot better on Thursday. They get a week and a half off. Washington still really thin. I I think their defense is legit, but I I like the Browns here. Give me the Browns. I think if I thought I think if if the Brett or if the Washington football team, excuse me, had even like remotely a decent quarterback situation right now that I actually trusted, mm-hmm. I would I would probably say the Redskins here because I do really like their defense. Um, but yeah, last week was good for the Browns. It was good to see that. So I'll be taking the Brown, the Browns as well. Uh, Bengals Eagles. This is a sad game too. This is tough. When I was looking over the slate, I I went back and forth on this a lot because. 0-3 Eagles losing to the Bengals, who literally are, were the worst team in football last year. Um, Joe Burrow is legit, and he's probably going to be a top-10 quarterback by this time next year. Like, he's gonna he's getting killed behind that terrible offensive line, but the Bengals' offense is legit, and Joe Burrow um, is uh, going to be a monster. And <sighs> give me the Bengals. I'm taking the Bengals, too. Oh, my God. I, uh, the Eagles have fallen. This is insanity. The Eagles, the Eagles are bad. Their team is bad. They have injuries, too. But Carson Wentz is playing bad. I think the only reason I'm picking the Bengals is because I would love for Joe Burrow to come out and have just light up the Eagles and have like his, almost like a, a coming out party mm. for Joe Burrow, um, which you almost saw against the Browns. So if he can follow up this week with a win against the Eagles – and play well that'll be exciting for joe burrow and Bengals fans so i want to see that i'm picking the Bengals. uh raiders patriots this is an interesting game now this is my i'll go first the, this is this is my lock of the week Come oh on. okay you this is your lock of the week okay. my white claw lock of the week yes gotcha okay Okay, this is what you want it to be. I don't know, man. I don't know if I want to bet a shotgun white claw on this these two teams. I, I don't know if I can do that too because I think we might be taking the same team. I think you're taking the Patriots, right? I am taking the Patriots. I think I want to take the Patriots too, so we can't do that. Okay, so you well, one of us can lock it up. Who would you rather? How confident are you, or do you think there's someone else in the schedule that you would rather lock up than the Pats Raiders? I mean. <sighs> This is a tough week. I guess we can't I, do this because we're both. I think, yeah, well, let's I think, just, we'll I both think, lock them up. But we'll, we'll not we'll, do our we'll, White Claw lock of the week here. Well, well, we'll I still think there's them. a chance with the Chiefs and Ravens Monday night game. Mm. We'll get there. That We'll get there. Well, there's, there's, a, there's some good games this week, so I don't think we necessarily have to go that far. Uh, but, yeah, I think we're both taking the Patriots. I really liked what I saw against uh, – or, you know, for the Raiders – I don't know that the defense for the the Patriots uh, will allow that this this week. Um, Gilmore, I don't think is going to play nearly as bad as he did last week. Uh, that said, taking the Patriots, uh, Bears Falcons. I'll let you go first. Oh, there's no way the Falcons lose this game. The Bears are not good. Uh, Mitch Trubisky sucks, and they've benefited from playing bad offenses through two weeks. Um, the Falcons offense is not that, um, I think we might see some good AJ Terrell stuff and Isaiah Oliver stuff in this game. Um, it's going to be nice for them to finally not 
uh, play a great uh, quarterback through two weeks. And, um, yeah, I think Ridley in this group is going to go off. Hopefully Julio's healthy because that hamstring is definitely bothering him. And he only had two guys at 24 yards, and he was really hobbled uh, last week. But um, I think this offense is too high-powered for Mitch Trubisky to be able to score 35 to hang with them. And I think you have to be able to score 30-plus to beat the Falcons this season. So give me the Falcons. I'll take the Falcons too, but I will say for the sake of your your like long-term health, I want the Bears to win. I don't think they're going to, but I want the Bears to win because I think if the Bears beat the Falcons, if Mitch Trubisky beats the Falcons, oh my God. you're never seeing Dan Quinn in, in red and black ever again. So, That's possible. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm taking the Falcons, but if they lose, we're looking at some serious repercussions. Rams Bills is quietly Ooh. a very exciting 10 a.m. game. This is the I think this is the best one o'clock game for me. Oh yeah, excuse me. You first off, West Coast time is the only time that matters. Well, Do not in sports, y'all are just gifted. But he cares so about. Better. Yeah, y'all have it great. It is. Um, uh, this yeah. is tough. The Bills have been on absolute onslaught. Josh Allen has been on an absolute onslaught. Everyone that talks about him as a running back jokingly is really eating their words right now. My buddy's a Bills fan, and he won't shut the fuck up about. Josh Allen, he like was pulling tweets from mine from two years ago. Uh, I, you know, I need the Rams to lose this game, so I'm taking the the Bills. I like the Bills too. I think I'm a bigger believer in the Bills right now. If the Rams win this game, I I think we have to just say the Rams. You back. you were like the ultimate anti Bills. I anti- am. Diggs has been good. The offense is explosive. Josh Allen is better than he was a year ago, and the defense is hanging in there. Like the defense, Stephon Diggs had better, more receiving yards than the entire Minnesota Vikings team had this week. That not was great for that, teams who traded their star receivers this offseason. Not great uh, at all. Uh, speaking of teams who've traded their their star receiver, mm-hmm. Texans Steelers also kind of a good 10 a.m. game, but not mm-hmm. as good. Um, we know you're taking the Texans. I am not. Really? The Steelers are one of the three best teams in the NFL. In AFC, excuse me. I was going to say, what the fuck are you talking Not about? Not NFL, AFC. They're one of the three best. Um, Juju and friends and Deontay Johnson is becoming the next level. James Conner is healthy. Benny Snell is good. That offensive line is still great. Big Ben's healthy. That defense is still solid. Um, I'm agreeing. I'm agreeing with you. Yeah, no, I think the Steelers. This will be 3-0 for them, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Steelers are good. So, Tennessee... Uh, I think we're both picking the Titans over the Vikings. Is that correct? I cannot. The Vikings are my biggest 2020 surprise. You real? Wait, really? Are you serious? Yeah, they're my oh. biggest surprise. Oh, that's our that? that's our shock. Well, no, I'm saying that's our, my biggest week. surprise. Like, I can't believe that what's oh, happening okay. through two weeks. Like, I can't wrap my head around what's going on in Minnesota. Like, it's I. Let's come back to this one because if I, I'm still thinking back and forth, let's come back to that one. And it might, if I if I land on the Vikings here by the end of this, then we'll do this our white claw pick of the week. I don't okay. feel great about going NFC North back to back weeks, but continue. Panthers, Chargers. We are seeing Justin Herbert most mm-hmm. likely. No, it's Tyrod. He's already said Tyrod's starting. I mean, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> he said that if he can go, he will. Mm-hmm. We we'll see. Uh, I will say this. If it's Justin Herbert, I'm taking the Chargers. If it's Tyrod, I'm taking the Panthers. <laughs> I mean, McCaffrey's gone for a month, too. You got to take Yeah, that that's down. a good point. Yeah, I'm taking the Chargers straight up. Yeah, I think the Chargers are one of the best teams in the AFC. Um, give me the Chargers. 
Uh, next up, who is it? Next up, we've got Jets Colts. Ugh. That's easy. Worst four o'clock game by far. Um, that is easy, really. Yeah, that's a is really easy J- one. Is this where Gase gets fired? He should. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, next up, we have Cowboys Seahawks. Low key, a good game. Cowboys, I'm hoping come back and 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 you know have a good bounce back and. Well, I mean, they won the game, you know, but like, I hope they come back and like really dominate this game just for the sake of the Seahawks, but I don't think it's going to happen. I'm taking the Seahawks. Hmm. Give me the Cowboys. Actually, yeah, I'm saying Cowboys too. I, I really <laughs> think the Cowboys offense is turning a corner and Dak was really good yesterday and CD is starting to figure it out a little bit. See, he's already the. He's already leads. It's 120 yards or something like that for. Oh God! If Javon Kinlaw, by the way, I know we're in a little bit of a hurry, but if Javon Kinlaw hadn't been playing as amazing as he's played in the first two games, I would be so much more furious about C.D. Lamb playing well on the Cowboys. It makes it okay considering how great Javon Kinlaw looks right away, but my God. CeeDee Lamb is that dude, and everyone that drafted a right – the Raiders will forever be made fun of for this. Yeah, not great. Um, the Lions at the Cardinals, right? Yep. Cardinals. <laughs> but yeah, this has I'm all the makings of a weird – I the Lions are just – they should be this bad. Galladay might be back this week, I think, so maybe that will change some stuff. But, no, Kyler is legit, and I think the Cardinals are gearing up for the, the red wave of the future unfortunately Absolutely. for you um cardinals here i'm hoping they change change them out of the division maybe that'd be great uh bucks broncos i think we're both taking the bucks yeah give me the bucks here i think this is going to be an ugly game too um but jeff driscoll uh i'm not betting on him so uh yeah the, i'm gonna have to go tampa tampa tom in denver maybe with yeah, Peyton manning pretty, in attendance pretty easy jeff jeff driscoll versus tom brady yeah easy packers saints this is an interesting Sunday night game. Uh, give me the Saints. I don't believe the Saints are going to be there. I, I really think Thomas will be back, and I think Breeze will bounce back a little bit. I don't think he's okay. Be, I I like the defense still, and I think the Saints are. Well, let me tell you this right now: as we, I'm taking the Packers again. I am taking Aaron Rodgers for many of these games this year because that motherfucker is is about that. He's yeah. I, I can't say it enough. So. Let's make this our white clock, white clock of the lock of the week. Do you want it to be? Because I'm going to take, I'm taking the Ravens on the Chiefs game. So do you want it to be this Packers? Me taking the Packers again, or do you want it to be Ravens versus Chiefs? Um, I'm actually taking the Ravens on Monday night. Okay, so yeah, Packers Saints. Mm-hmm. Uh, Evans taking the Packers. Chase is shotgunning a white clock. <laughs> All right, got that written down. Mm-hmm. And Evan and Chase both taking the Ravens. You know, I got to say, we, we agree on a lot of these. I mean, we should. It shouldn't be like crazy where it's like hot takey or just picking it right, up. Right. I think 80% should be in agreement. And then that 20% is what separates the men from the boys, Evan. Yep. As they say. Uh, well, I got to run, but um, I'm looking forward to being 3-0 and uh, in our picks going into next week. Um, so I'm one on one and shock, one on one, one and one on white claw shotguns. That's what really matters. That is true. That is true. Evan, always a pleasure, sir. We will be back uh, next week. All right, man. Take care.
This is Ben Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.